Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, in good times, but most especially in times that are difficult for us, even in times such as these, it's essential to remember that God has a plan for us. That's the subject of today's message, which is based on Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 14, and begins with my own story of a disappointed parishioner. In retrospect, it was, to say the very least, a wake-up call. I had just begun my tenure as the student pastor of a small congregation up in Aroostook County, Maine. I was only three weeks in, as I recall. Now understand, like most student pastors just starting out, I was essentially, well, clueless. But what I lacked in experience and ability, I made up for in, in energy, enthusiasm, and sheer determination, fueled by the leading of God's Spirit and so excited for the care of God's people. I was, in a word, totally jazzed by what I was doing. I was learning my way around. I was getting to know names and faces. I was sweating every line of the Sunday sermon to the point of absurdity. I was working so very hard to make a good first impression. And by all accounts, things were going pretty well. And we were off to a good start as pastor and parish. Or by most accounts, anyway. I will never forget as long as I live that one Sunday morning. Again, I was just about three weeks in to my ministry there when one of my parishioners, a longtime member of the congregation, came up to me after worship and greeted me with a dour face and a half-hearted handshake. There was obviously something troubling her, so I asked what was wrong. And she heaved a heavy sigh, and she simply said, I thought you were going to be different. But I guess I just have to face the fact that things are never going to change at this church. Talk about taking the wind out of your sails. Let me tell you, folks, I was crestfallen. And for the rest of the day, I kept thinking about what she said wondering what it was that she'd been accept, expecting. That my arrival as the new pastor would immediately double the size of the congregation? That pledging would suddenly increase by 100, 200%? That the congregation would miraculously be purged of every poor attitude, every old argument would be finally laid to rest and Every good thought would be transformed into a successful program? Well, first of all, a pastor does not do that alone. Even then I knew that. I, even then I knew that God does that in partnership with the whole congregation, including the pastor. But secondly, and perhaps more to the issue at hand, in three weeks? Well... After the initial sting of her words had worn off, 
I was left with this feeling that her concerns might have been a little bit unwarranted, not to mention unrealistic, considering the time frame. Over time, I came to realize that her words were not meant as a complaint against me or the church. In fact, this person turned out to be one of the most supportive and hardest working members of the congregation in my years at that church. But on this particular day, friends, she'd come to me out of concern, this overwhelming sense of frustration, if you will, that all these things that she'd been hoping for and praying for and yearning for in that church for so many years had not yet come to pass in a way that she wanted, hoped for, or expected. And that I could understand. After all, if you've been spending your whole life anticipating a particular set of blessings that never seem to happen, that does have a way of discouraging you. And this is by no means exclusive to matters of the congregation either, but easily seeps into the rest of life. Many of us know all too well what it is to have things not live up to our expectations, time-wise or otherwise. All it takes, and you know this, all it takes is something like the loss of a loved one, a problem with a job or within a relationship, or for that matter, the threat of contracting a potentially life-threatening virus. And suddenly everything, everything you ever assumed to be true about how things should go in our lives is forced to change. And it really doesn't have to be anything that catastrophic either. Even when it seems as though life is proceeding pretty much as it should, there are times that we all get this sense that maybe everything we're hoping for, maybe all of those things we've been expecting, all those things that are the result of what Scripture refers to as the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things unseen, that is, our faith. Maybe those things aren't going to happen for us after all. Suffice to say, that there are times for most, if not all of us in this life, that we begin to believe that the promises that have been made will never, ever be the promises fulfilled. And that, friends, is the context by which we need to approach our text for this morning, the one that Cindy just shared with us Jeremiah's word to the people from the Lord himself, for surely I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare and not your harm, to give you a future with hope. Now, historically speaking, it's important for us to understand that these words were actually given amidst one of the darkest periods of Israel's history, soon after the destruction of Jerusalem in 597 BC, a time when God's people had been carried off into exile in Babylon. Now, you might remember that we actually talked about this, this period of history last Sunday. 
And actually, at the point where we take up the reading today, it's safe to say that Israel barely is existing as a people, much less a nation of God's chosen people. There is, in fact, this growing dread amongst those in exile that God had surely abandoned them forever. They are, to say the very least, spiritually bereft in this point in history. And the worst part is they know full well that in many ways it was their own faithlessness that brought them to this place. But now here comes Jeremiah the prophet, and he's got with him a word from the Lord. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you're hoping for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen, says the Lord. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. I'll turn things around for you. Don't worry, God says. I've got everything under control. That's the message that God brings to these exiled people of Israel in Babylon. But here's the thing about this word. Now, whereas there were also at the time so-called false prophets who were out there who were very quick to assure the Judeans that their stay in Babylon would be short-lived and they'd be home soon, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, He's pretty specific about God's plans regarding this exile. Seventy years, he says. Seventy years, you're going to stay in Babylon, friends. And only after those 70 years, God says, will I visit you and fulfill to you my promise to bring you home. (laughs) Now, can you imagine what the people's response to that would have been? Seventy years... Nice promise, Jeremiah. Thanks for coming. See you later. Why don't you ask God what we're supposed to do in the meantime? 70 years. We're not going to last 70 years, especially under these conditions. Our children aren't even going to survive that long. So what are we supposed to tell our grandchildren? Does God actually expect us to trust in some Promise that we're not even going to come to see come to pass? You see the dilemma, right? It's hard to embrace a future with hope when that future seems so very far off and the here and now is uncertain at best. How are we supposed to plan for retirement a few years down the road? When right now, the cost of everything from heat to health care just seems to keep skyrocketing. How can we possibly invest ourselves and our resources in future possibilities when the current realities make that kind of decision difficult and, well, we'll just say it, risky? How are we supposed to ever hold on to the prospect of things in this world going back to normal when everything around us becomes less and less normal with every passing day. Wouldn't it just be easier 
wouldn't it be safer? Wouldn't it be better just to go hunker down somewhere and wait and see what happens? Oh, maybe. But then listen to what God has to say about that to those exiles who are now facing 70 years of hunkering down. What he says is, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what those gardens produce. Take wives, have sons and daughters, raise a family. Encourage your children to marry and have children so you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home. That's a message translation. In other words, people, live your lives. Walk in faith. Do what you know in faith that needs to be done. And as you do what needs to be done, trust in the promise. Because you know what? God has a plan. And the beauty of that plan, writes pastor and author James Howell, is that it all begins now. But, he goes on to say, the consummation, the fulfillment, will be when I'm not around any longer. To trust in God's promises, you see, is to be something, be a part of something bigger than just ourselves. It is to be part of a vision of a purpose that stretches far beyond our lifetimes. It makes us a small but significant part of the grand adventure that is God's plans. That's James Howell again. And he says, we call that grace. And grace gives us hope, which is dogged enough to cope with unrealized dreams and seemingly delayed results. Those are good words, but what do, does all this mean for us, friends? Well, in terms of our lives, yours and mine, it means keeping on keeping on with faith, hope, and love, even when everything that comes at us in this life would seem to take us off the pathway. It's about looking for and seeing God's presence and his power in the midst of everyday, ordinary activities. And it's in recognizing that even though all has not yet been revealed, God is at work fashioning that promised future. It's the realization that because of all of this, we can live, that we can move forward with our lives, that we can be fruitful and experience the kind of simple grace that comes in knowing in your heart of hearts that there's always hope. That there is always something just beyond the next horizon. And we know this because God has made a promise and God has a plan. It also seems to me, friends, that this says just about everything we need to know about who we are as the church. Because who are we if not the bearers of this incredible God, uh, promise that God has made? Purveyors of the plan, as it were. 
Honestly, friends, the concerns that were raised by that woman I told you about earlier, I have heard from a whole lot of people in a hundred different ways over many years. And I get it. We gather together as the church, this, this incredible place where we found faith and community. And we are grateful for the many, many ways that God has blessed us here. But still we worry. We begin to wonder in these uncertain times how it's ever going to last. We concern ourselves, and rightfully so, with money matters and tight budgets. We speculate on how long we can possibly hold on, given our limited resources. And these days, we wonder aloud if we can ever really get back to what was normal before COVID changed everything. And all the while, all the while, we keep asking the perennial questions about why it is people don't come to church in the same numbers they did when we were growing up. How it is that the world has become so secularized, to say nothing of being so divided and divisive these days, that the church comes off as somehow antiquated and out of touch in the process. It's no wonder that we in the church do start to feel like we're exiles in this modern-day era. Strangers in a strange, strange land. But you see, to this, even to this, God's word remains the same. Surely I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future hope. <clears throat> and that's why despite the challenges of these strange and mournful days, as Paul Simon once sung. That's why, despite the occasional bouts of discouragement we face, we press on, day by day, and in every season that comes. We continue to be people of faith. We continue to seek to be truly the kind of church that God has called us to be. That's why we take the time and we make the effort to reach out to one another in Christian love through prayer and by action, both in times of joy and sorrow. And that's why we've made the concerted and ongoing effort to expand our reach by posting these services online. That's why we seek in whatever we do, to stand together in love and mercy and on behalf of all those whom the rest of the world has cast aside. And that's why, in faith and with love, we continue to invest ourselves in a graceful future that even right now is blossoming in our sight. <clears throat> and it's all because of the plans that even now God has for us at East Church. Now, that plan may not have come to full bloom just yet. But trust me, friends, it's happening. Every time 
someone walks into this sanctuary and knows they've arrived at their spiritual home, it's happening. I saw it today as I was sitting up here and you folks were coming together for worship. Every time someone logs onto Facebook or to YouTube or on their laptops or their phones and find kindred hearts in a worship service video from this place, and then comes back there or here the next Sunday to see what this crazy man who has had people waving their hands was all about. It's happening. Every moment that there's been a song or a prayer or a new idea or a spirit that touches a heart because of what we are seeking to do here at East Church, it's happening. And every instance that we let ourselves trust in what God is doing in and through our lives, it's happening. And it will come to full bloom in due season. Now I know this, friends. You know this. After everything we have faced and are facing because of covid political divisiveness in a world that seems to be changing rapidly and not for the better. There are times that we feel like we can't believe that anything good and healthy and reconciling could ever happen. But it is happening. And it's happening because God has a plan for you and for me. And he's made us a promise. This is a plan that's unfolding no matter what else is happening in the world, no matter what other kind of challenges you and I are continuing to face from season to changing season. It's happening. And the only question is, what are we going to do about it? How we're going to respond to God's plan? and promise for our lives, for this world, and yes, for this church. I hope you will give that thought and prayer. I'll tell you this. I hope and pray that however else we respond, it will begin with trusting in the promise. And as we trust, as we live, as we walk along the pathway that God has set forth and planned for us, that we will let our thanks and praise be unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, The Plans I Have for You. It was recorded during our October the 24th service of worship at East Congregational Church. As always, we'd invite you to join us for in-person worship at East Church. That happens every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Or, if you prefer, live online via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page and, this just in, on our East Congregational Church YouTube channel. Either way you join us, we would love to have you. And with that, we come to the close of another episode of this Love to Tell the Story podcast. 
I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.